All right, so we uh, are ending the series on, on missions. And so we began the month by talking about why missions are important. That's the first week in January we did that. Two weeks ago, Pastor Jeff, he filled in. He spoke about the need of missions. And then last week, we looked at the call of missions, the call that we have. And so this week, we're going to finish up this series by looking at some characters in the Bible who said yes uh, to the call of God and became obedient. So we're going to look at uh, being obedient uh, to the call of God, whatever that may be um, in your life. So that's what we'll be doing this evening. So the question as we go in uh, to tonight, you can ask yourself is, will I be obedient um, to the call? And so that we're going to look at some characters uh, in the scripture and look at their call and how they responded. So if you have your Bibles, uh, go to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Verses 1 through 8. This is the call of Isaiah. And so in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a, a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, your sin and your sin atoned for. And I heard a voice from the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And so this account we have here is the calling of Isaiah to be a prophet. And first thing we see is his vision. And God gave Isaiah a glimpse of the throne room of heaven and what it was like. And the majesty of God talks about the train of his robe filling the temple and the smoke and and the doorpost and the the foundation shaking at the voice of God. And so he had this vision. That in itself would be terrifying, would it not? If you experience that, if you put yourself there, uh, him seeing that would be a terrifying thing. We see that God was the focus of it. Uh, there was continual praise of God by the seraphim who never, st- who never cease crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. What's interesting, I read in my, uh, my Jeremiah study Bible talking about the seraphim. And it says, flying above God's throne are these astonishing beings called seraphim, meaning burning ones, burning ones who apparently dwell so close to the presence of God that they burn with a holy brilliance. The seraphim sounds continual praise. They cry, holy, 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 indicating emphasis that the Lord is absolutely holy or set apart from all others as the exalted king of the world. It really emphasizes the the greatness of God. It is holy, holy, holy. You can look in Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. And uh, you see that there as well. And so this continual 
praise that never stops, even as we sit here tonight, is happening in heaven. Over and over and over, never ceasing. And so Isaiah got to see this. He saw this, and uh, God showed this to him. And, of course, one of the goals of missions is for the whole earth to join in the praise of God, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords with this cry, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And one day when we're in heaven, we'll get to experience this as well. And so that is that the goal of missions is that people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, join in, to, in together praising God. And so Isaiah had this call to go to, uh, to, go to his nation it was such an amazing scene. All Isaiah could do was recognize his unworthiness and sinfulness. And so oftentimes, even in Scripture, when we come face-to-face with God, uh, we have this sense of unworthiness, this sense of our sinfulness and our inadequacy. Isaiah felt that. He felt that. He says, I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in a nation of uh, an unclean uh, nation. And it's interesting. What did God do? He touched it. He said he had a... Uh, Oh, verse 6, he had one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he'd taken from tongs to the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. He says, Your guilt is taken away, your sin atoned for. He said, He forgave him. He forgave him. And he, it, is a, it is a work of God that he did in his life. God called him to be a prophet to a people who would never listen. How would you like that job? You're going to be a prophet, you're going to go to this nation, and they're going to not listen. As a matter of fact, they're going to, they're, they may try to hurt you, they may try to kill you, but this is what I've called you to do. So he calls Isaiah to a nation, and they're not going to listen. And what was Isaiah's response? He says, here am I, send me. He came face to face with God, and, God, and, and he answered the call on his life. And of course, tradition has it. Uh, that he was killed under King Manasseh by being cut in two, with a, or sawed in two. You can see that in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 37, referring to they were sawn in two. Uh, many believe that that was talking about Isaiah. So in our mind, it didn't end well, did it? But this was God's call in his life. And he fulfilled God's call in his life. And uh, he is in the presence of God uh, today, even as we speak. So we have the call of Isaiah. Uh, go to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. And hopefully you're, you're familiar with, with these. But if not, that's okay. Exodus chapter 3. Verses 1 through 14. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, a bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why this bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here, am I, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take off your sandals, sandals off your feet, for the place which you are standing is holy ground. 
And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I surely have seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of the land to a, to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel have come, up, come to me, and I have seen, also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, and you will bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children up out of, out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, and Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. So we see the call of, of Moses here. And Moses, he had a lot of excuses. He had a lot of questions. He, he, felt, he definitely felt this deep sense of inadequacy. But it's interesting to go back is that God called Moses' name through a burning bush. And Moses talked back to the bush. So if you see a bush that's not burning, that might get your attention. That's different. Um, if you hear a voice coming out of the bush, that's something <laughs> totally different. And uh, so Moses, but he recognized that it was God who was calling him. And so he tells him to take off his sandals because he was standing on holy ground. Well, what made the ground holy? I mean, is this holy ground? Is the desert West Texas holy ground? It wasn't the ground that was holy. What made it holy was the presence of God. He was in the presence of God, and so he says, take off your sandals for you, the ground you are standing on is holy ground. And Moses' response was, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And maybe God's, you've sensed God, he's placed a, a burden on your heart, or you've sensed him calling you to do something before, and you say, who am I? I can't, I can't do that. I can, never, I can never go talk to them, or I can never do this, or whatever it may be. But this is how Moses felt. He says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and lead the children out of, e out of uh, Egypt? He expressed a great sense of inadequacy for such a great mission. He basically told God, you have the wrong guy. And maybe you said that as well. Maybe, I, and I've said that as well. Is I, think, I think I'm the wrong guy. This is the wrong, you, you find somebody else. This is what Moses was basically saying. But God promises Moses I will be with you. And he says, that is enough. I am who I am is sending you. He say, I am God and I am sending you to do this. Of course, the result of this, Moses did deliver the people. Um, they complained. They worshiped idols and caused Moses a lot of grief. They were, they were a, a pain in the rear end is what they were. Constantly, constantly dealing with these people. Yet he faithfully served God and he led the people out just as God had called him to do. Uh, Moses did not get to enter the promised land because of sin. But he is listed, if you read in Hebrews, we're not going to read it tonight. But in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 29, he's listed in the, 
the heroes, I guess you call the heroes of the faith. He was a faithful servant of God. He was a friend of God. You know, he, he was afraid. He didn't want to look at the face of God. What did he ask him later on? Can I see your face? And so he had this relationship that was built with God um, over time. So the third group is the calling of the disciples. Go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, uh, verses 18 through 22. It says, While he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fisher of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, uh, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So when God called these guys, they were at work. They had a career. And God calls them, and basically they left everything they were doing to follow him. They left their families. They left their jobs. Uh, they left everything they were doing. Immediately they followed him. And Jesus says, I will make you fisher of men. So Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he says, follow me. Peter and Andrew, jump, they jump out immediately, and they follow Jesus. James and John, same thing with their father. They respond immediately. But prior to Jesus calling them, Peter and Andrew had been a disciple of John the Baptist. And we see this account in John chapter 1. Let's go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And so prior to Jesus calling them, Peter and Andrew had been disciples of John the Baptist. And when Andrew met Christ, he wanted to introduce Peter to Jesus. And then we see that Jesus calls Philip as well. So John chapter 1, verse 40. One of the two, uh, <clears throat> sorry, one of the two heard John speak and followed Jesus. It, it was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. The first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, uh, You are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Then the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip. He said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him whom the Moses and the law uh, and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. And so what we see here is they met, that when they met Jesus, what did they, they do? They went and they told others. Andrew went to Peter. Nathaniel, the, uh, Philip goes and tells, talks to Nathanael. And Nathanael's like, he's, he's skeptical. He says, is anything good come out of Nazareth? He's, what does he say? Come and see. He invites him to come to the Savior. And so the results of these men, uh, these, these guys, was that, 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 and ultimately that's what we are to do today, is invite people to meet the Savior. Say, come and see. When we speak to them, we, and we invite them to meet the Savior. The results for these guys was all these were martyred except for John, who is exiled. And uh, during exile, he wrote the book of Revelation. 
Um, but all these guys were martyred except for John. But notice how when each of these men met Jesus, they went and told others. Uh, God and his sovereign will depended on those who already knew him to bring others to him. This is, what God, this is God's plan. He wants to use us, use you, to bring people to the Savior. And he still does this today. And this is the heart of missions. This is what missions is about, is introducing people uh, who, don't, who have never heard to the Savior. The next one we're going to see is the calling of Paul. So go to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. We'll read verses 1 through 22 of the account of of Paul. All right, so Acts chapter 9, verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and uh, and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you'll be told what you are to do. The men who were there traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were, not, were open, he saw nothing. So he, led, he was led by the hand. And brought into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am. He said, the Lord, the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And as he has seen in a vision, a man named Ananias come to him and lay his hands on him. So he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And he has authority from the chief of priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed and entered the house. Laying his hands on him, he said, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road uh, by which his, um, I'm sorry, who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose, then he rose and was baptized and taking food he was strengthened. For some days they he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying that he is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for the purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. So we have the calling of, of Saul, who becomes the Apostle Paul. And so... While he's on the way to round up Christians, this is when Jesus called him. And Paul responded with a yes to God. He says, yes, God, God calls him. And he, and he um, did he really have a choice? I mean, no, he didn't have a choice. God said, I am calling you. You are my servant. 
you're, this is it. This is, it's a done, it's a done deal. But so he calls Paul, Paul responded with a yes to God. And what we see, one thing we can see is that no one is beyond the reach of the saving grace of God. A lot of people you talk to, they may say, I've done too much in my life. I've sinned too much. I'm, God could never forgive me. Well, this is just not true. And so what we see here in Acts is that no one is beyond the reach of God's grace. No one has gone too far. They can't be saved. Think about Jonah. He hated the Ninevites. He wanted God to destroy them. Finally, he reluctantly goes and he shares that judgment's coming. And they actually repented. Do you remember what Jonah, how he felt about that? He's angry. He's like, I was going to go up on top of this mountain and watch God destroy him with fire and brimstone. But God saved him by his grace. And so no one is too far gone that God cannot save them. And so just like the wicked people of Nineveh, God saved them when they repented. And so we need to remember that. There are certain enemies, I guess you could say, that our nation has. And there's people from different countries. And we we have to remember that God wants to save them. And we can't have that, that attitude, and a lot of that, a lot of that is driven uh, politically and things like that. But they are people made in the image of God, and God wants to save them. And if they will repent of their sin, they can be saved. And we need to take the gospel to those people as well. God chose, he chose Paul to preach his name to the Gentiles. And he says, and I, as, as a matter of fact, for Paul, I'm, he's going to suffer a lot for me. That was God's call. You think about Peter uh, and John when, when P- J- Jesus basically says, hey, you're going to die by crucifixion. He pretty much tells him that. And he says, hey, what about John? He says, well, that's none of your business. He says, you follow me. You do what's right. You be obedient. He says, that's none of your business. And so this, is, this was his call on, on Paul's life is that he would go to the Gentiles and he would suffer for his name. And Paul did suffer but was probably, well, not probably, he was the greatest missionary of all time. I often wonder what would it be like if there were planes back then. Paul would have figured out a way to get into every country. He'd figure it out. Uh, he, and he could, have, he could have evangelized the entire world. Uh, because he basically did at the time. But he did suffer, but became the greatest missionary of all time. This guy who is killing Christians, this guy who is arresting Christians, this guy who is against the way, and he's even on his way to arrest more of them, gets saved. And then we see here in in Acts chapter 9 that the people (laughs) were astounded. And immediately uh, immediately he claimed that Jesus in the synagogue saying he's the son of God in verse 21. And all who heard him were amazed and said, is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name. Like, isn't that him? And Ananias is like, you want me to talk to him? Don't you know why he's here? So God can save anybody. Nothing could stop Paul from preaching the gospel. When God called him and changed him, it became the passion of his life. And he was beheaded for it later on under Emperor Nero. And so we've talked about these, these guys, but some other, I want to look at just some other people that were called. First of all is Ananias. Think about Ananias. And when, how, Jesus, how God came to him and said, hey, there's this guy named Saul, 
and he's praying right now, and I've showed him in a vision that you're going to be coming. And so he goes, he says, and Ananias again says, me? You want me to go talk to him? And of course, yes. And what did he do? He is in, uh, in obedience. He went and he laid his hands on Paul just as he was told to do. He obeyed. In Acts chapter uh, 7 and 8, um, the church was growing. There was uh, some issues going on with the uh, distribution and the, and the helping of widows and, th- and things like that. And so they, um, this is when they, we had the first deacons. And Stephen was chosen to be a deacon. The, Bible, the scripture in, in, in Acts says that he was full of faith in the Holy Spirit. He faithfully served God and became the first martyr. He served God with all of his heart. And he became the first martyr. What about the church at Antioch? Paul sent out, this is the church that sent Paul and Barnabas out to take the gospel to the nations. This is what would be like their sending church. You know, we have missionaries under us who we are their sending church. The church at Antioch was, would be like the sending church of Paul and Barnabas. And so they go out, and you read in, in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, it says, Now there was in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. Of course, that's talking about Paul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. Of course, Paul would come back and report to Antioch some of the things that would be going on. So this church at Antioch um, answered the call. They were obedient to send out Paul and Barnabas. Then I think about the Macedonian believers in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. They gave out of their poverty to help their Jewish brothers. Now, if you remember the history, did Jews and Gentiles like each other? No, they hated one another. And so this is a big step, is, that when, is when after, after Paul comes back and they have the council and they've decided that, yes, Jews and Gentiles can both be saved, but that doesn't just go away overnight. That, 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 uh, uh, that whole um, dividing wall, in a sense, doesn't go away overnight. It took time. And, what, and so the Jewish people were struggling. Uh, they, were, they were struggling, they, and they weren't able to meet their needs. And you have this Macedonian church who, by faith, gave out of their poverty to help their brothers in Jerusalem. Gentiles loving their Gentile brothers. Or, I'm sorry, Gentiles loving their Jewish brothers. And see, this is, this is God's plan. And so this Macedonian believers, they gave out of their poverty to help their Jewish brothers. They weren't doing great financially, but they were generous anyway. So how were they so generous? They gave, and Second um, Corinthians 8 says that they gave themselves first to the Lord. And that is key when it comes to anything that God calls us to do is giving ourselves first to the Lord. I give myself to the Lord and say, I will do whatever you have called me to do. I will do whatever you want me to do. Then there's others in Hebrews chapter 11. Or, yeah, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, it starts off with Abel. He's listed in the, in the, in the uh, heroes of the faith because he brought an acceptable offering to God by faith. Of course, Enoch 
Enoch was just, he loved God. He was, he was faith. He was, he was righteous before him. He's blameless before him. He walked with God. And so God just took him. How'd you like that? Just out walking one day and God says, yeah, you know what? Come on up. Come with me. That was the story of Enoch. And then, of course, Noah. God says judgment's coming. Noah preached judgment. And for a hundred plus years to build the ark, he preached judgment. They thought he was nuts. Like, we, there's not like a body of water anywhere nearby and you're building this massive structure. What is it? Why do we need it? Well, if they, could, if they would have repented, they could have been saved. And so Noah, by faith, did that. Abraham, by faith. And there's a list of, there's a list of those who are faithful, just a, a quick list in Hebrews chapter 11. So go to Hebrews chapter 11 with me. Hebrews chapter 11. Verses 32 through 40. And so it, it, it talks about several people before that, but in verse 32, it starts going pretty quickly. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, it says, What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead uh, by received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so they might arise to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, uh, through through, uh, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. But they did believe the promise of God. They didn't receive the promise, but they believed it. It says, since God has provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. And so what we see here in this list of these, these faithful people who served God, they believed in the promises of God, they walked by faith, and they did some amazing things for the Lord uh, and they obeyed him. And so we have this list of these people. Some were delivered. And there were some great victories. Uh, of course, they didn't accomplish those. God did. Others were not. And again, that's none of our business. It was God's plan for these people. And so some were delivered and others were not. And it's interesting what verse 38 says. It says, of whom the world was not worthy. The world is not worthy of these faithful men and women of God. So every one of these people we looked at tonight, God called them, and they responded in obedience. And many of them had a lot of excuses, like, why me? I can't, Moses, I can't speak. I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a good speaker. I, I stutter. Uh, Isaiah kind of being like, hey, woe is me. I, I am very sinful. I'm very unworthy. Um, we, we sense this. Paul, you kind of sense that in him as well. As I, he, he gets up from God speaking to him, 
and he can't see, and he's humbled in, those, in that moment. Every one of these people he looked at tonight, God called them, and they responded in obedience. God equipped them for the task, and they faithfully fulfilled the task. Whatever their task was, they faithfully did it until the end. See, God uses people who are yielded to him and are willing to do whatever he calls them to do. It's interesting. You think about the disciples. These were not the most educated of guys. They're just regular guys going about their day, doing their jobs. They're just regular guys. And God called them and he used them to change the world. So God used, he uses regular, ordinary people who are yielded to him and are willing to do whatever he calls them to do. So kind of wrapping this all up, our missions theme, a couple of things here is how could all these people respond in obedience to God? He didn't promise them safety. He didn't promise them wealth. He didn't promise them health or the comforts of any kind. What did he promise them? He says, I will be with you. And that was enough. That God would be with them. I will be with you. And that was enough for them. He promised his presence. He said, I will be with you. They had an understanding of who God is. And the only response to God when we see him for who he is, is to respond in obedience to him. Say, yes, God, I will go. Yes, God, I will do that. Yes, I will give this. Yes, I will whatever. So the only response is yes to God. Send me. Use me for your glory. There's not much. You may say, God, there's, I don't have much, but you're getting all of me. Those are the people that God uses. And he uses them in, in, in mighty ways to fulfill his, his plan, his purpose of reaching the nations. Each of these people, they felt unworthy, inadequate for the task that God called them to do. But what we need to understand is, and they, and they did understand this, um, but it's not them who's doing it, but it's God working through you. It was God working through them to accomplish his will. See, we can't do anything on our own power, but it is God who, who does it through us. So when we yield our lives to him, we say, yes, God, I will do whatever you call me to do, and, and we, we're willing to obey, he will use us. He will, even if we're not necessarily uh, naturally good at something, he will, he will work through us, and he gets the glory for that. And so we need to know is that who God calls, he equips. Uh, there's a story back in the Old Testament when they're building the tabernacle, and, they, uh, and they're talking about the, the art and the metalwork, and these guys supernaturally were given the ability to do these things, to build the tabernacle. And God gave them that ability. Uh, so when God calls you to something, he will equip you. If God is calling you to go, maybe God's calling somebody in here to go. He'll equip you to go. If God's calling you to send and support, he will equip you to be able to send and support. If God's calling you to go teach some kids in our children's department, God will equip you to teach kids. Whatever he's calling you to do, he will, he will equip you if you will just be obedient. So he may be calling some to go. He may be calling some to sin. He may be calling you. Um, you know, we have people here all the time um, who uh, God, he places a burden on their heart. And we're like, okay, we want you to be able to do that. Uh, my dad, for instance, after my mom passed away a few years ago, he, uh, 
he had a heart for grief share. And he says, and he went, he went through one and all that. But he had a burden on his heart to help hurting people. And so now we, we, we are doing that. So it could be anything. If God's placed it on your heart, be obedient to it. Be obedient. God will bless you. God will bless it. And so if he lays it on your heart, be obedient. He will equip you. We need to remember Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That is our goal. That is our purpose. Again, all people, all nations, maybe it's your neighbor across the street. I don't know. Maybe it's people who have never heard uh, somewhere in an unreached people group and everywhere in between is that we are his witnesses and he has chosen, it's been his plan, is that the church would be his witness, that his people would be a witness for him. And by doing that, he says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so I encourage you, if God let, he places a burden on your heart, to be obedient to that. Be obedient to that. Uh, whatever he's called you to do, he will equip you to do it. And he will be with you as you do that. So the question is, as we, as we end uh, this, this series and as we end tonight, what is God calling you to do? Who is he calling you to go to? Are there people who come to mind that you say, you know what, I need to share the gospel with them. I, want to be, I need to be an encouragement to this person or that person. Uh, who is he calling you to go to? And then will you be obedient to the call of taking the gospel to the end of the earth and the end of the earth again it may start it may start with your neighbor and maybe God's calling you to go I don't know but will you be obedient to the call of taking the gospel to the end of the earth so let's pray God we love you we thank you so much uh, that you loved us we thank you so much for salvation that came through your son Jesus Christ and Lord I pray that you would help us to never forget that to never take that for granted that we'd always be willing to share the gospel uh, with all people, recognizing that uh, you that is your that is your plan is that every nation, every tribe, every tongue will be represented in heaven, and so Lord, we want to take your your gospel to the world, so Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, you challenge us, Lord, help us to be yielded to your will, whatever you call us to do, that we 'd be obedient, just as these characters we looked at tonight uh, lord they they walked by faith they they obeyed by faith, um, and Lord, they left the, the results up to you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help each of us in here tonight to be obedient, whatever you, you call us to do, whatever you burden our heart to do. Uh, Lord, I ask that you would help us to be obedient to that and that you'd use us to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this church. I thank you for um, the, our, our, the love that we have for, for missions and the impact we're able to have uh, through it. And so, Lord, I, I pray that we continue to be able to do that uh, for many, many, many more years uh, until you come again. And so we'll, we'll, we'll praise you for it. Ask God that you would continue to use us here in our own city, uh, in our own neighborhoods, in our own families, uh, to reach people with the gospel. We'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.